confession of our faith. Say, Father, I've come to receive revelation, wisdom, and understanding from your holy word. And I fully expect the Holy Spirit to bear witness with my spirit concerning revelation of the word and how to apply it in my life on a daily basis. I'm a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Therefore, I'm a fruitful believer. Amen, amen, amen. Well, once again, good morning and welcome to church. Welcome to church. I feel, I feel like I hadn't seen y'all in church in a long time because of uh, our Thursday's events. <laughs> amen. Huh? Hmm? Yes, we were all there together. Yeah, amen. But, you know, we're going to see you again on this Thursday. Praise God. <laughs> amen. And I'm going to try my best not to try to review like we weren't here together on Thursday. But uh, I can't promise that. But uh, Genesis chapter number 15. Genesis chapter number 15. We have been ministering here for the last little while on what I define as faith fundamentals. Faith fundamentals. Uh, from time to time, one of the things that, um, that you'll notice, you know, when you have maybe a coach, they'll come in, take uh, over a team. What they'll do is they'll hold up the ball, or let's say it's a football, for instance, and they'll say, this is a football. And they'll tell their team, even though, you know, let's say they're professionals and they're in the NFL, all of the things that it takes to do the fundamental stuff uh, on the field. Or they'll hold up a basketball and say, this is a basketball. And they'll talk about all the fundamental things that you need to do to have success in the game of basketball. Now, if you are talking to a bunch of professionals about these areas, it can be construed as, you know, something that we can despise. Why is he telling us all this? We know this. But what the coach is essentially doing at that time is he's saying that the fundamentals is what enables you to do all of the dunks. The fundamentals is what enables you to do all of the other things that are extraordinary. Understanding the fundamentals, I dare say, of faith is what empowers you to be able to receive from God in different areas. It's what empowers you to be able to believe God in different areas because the fundamentals of faith never, 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 never change. And so from year to year, we talk at the times when the Spirit of God leads us to talk about these areas of the fundamentals of faith fundamentals or our faith refreshers. And that's why we are doing so now. Amen. Now, we said again, as we review, what's so important about faith? We said first and foremost, the reason why we talk about faith is because faith is a command. It is not a suggestion. It's a command to live by faith, as we saw in Habakkuk and Romans and Galatians and Hebrews. The just shall live by faith. It's not a suggestion. It's not just a wonderful thing that we ought to bring up from time to time. He says the just shall, must, ought to live by faith. We said why is faith so important? It's because we cannot please God apart from faith, as we see in Hebrews 11 and verse 6. If you want to have a life that's pleasing to God, now, some of us don't. But if you want your life to be pleasing to God, he says it's impossible to do so apart from walking by faith. And then third, we indicated to you that why faith is so important is because faith is the key to overcoming the world, the world system. Faith is the key. The Bible says this, for whatsoever born of God overcometh the world in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 4. And he says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, he says, even our faith. The Amplified Version of the Bible says, our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. So he says, continuing this thing. That's how you overcome the world. This is how you overcome life's issues. This is how you overcome problems, is through your faith. And so 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 indicates to us, fight the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith. But he says fight. It's a good fight, but he does say it is a fight. Well, what is this fight? To believe what he said over what you see. To stay on the promises over what may be a manifestation in your life. And that is a fight. 
And I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where he says, fight the good fight of faith. And I said, I don't really want to fight the good fight of faith. Not this time, God. But he reminds us over and over again, if you're going to please God, it's going to require faith. And he says, it's a good fight because you're going to win this fight. But you do have to fight this thing. Now, Hebrews 11, verse number 1, tells us again the textbook definition of faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is always present tense, we've said. It is always hope and evidence. It is a real substance. It is a real substance. Just like you got H2O produces water, faith is a substance of hope and evidence. We've indicated to you as well in the past that hope is the aspiration of the good. Nothing wrong with having hope. We need hope. But if you stay in hope alone, you are not in faith. Hope by itself does not make Bible faith. I have to have some evidence. Evidence what? Of the unseen thing. More reasons to believe. Proof or substantiation. Otherwise, my hope, in other words, I need to ground my hope in some evidence. When I ground my hope in some evidence, it then produces Bible faith. The Amplified Version of the Bible says, Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So therefore, faith, once again, represents the unseen thing. I don't need faith for what my senses can behold. I need faith for what my senses can't behold, what I can't see, what I can't touch. God says, believe, but I can't see it. He says, my word is the evidence of the unseen thing. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse 18 says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Faith is not needed for what your senses can behold. When we walk by faith and not by sight is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 7. I walk by what he said. I walk by the combination of what I hope for rooted in evidence. Now, we have been discussing the five elements of faith. Yes? And we have not gotten past one quite yet. The five elements of faith. We said the first element is this element of hearing. Second one, the element of receiving. The next one, the element of believing, speaking, and then acting. Hearing, receiving, believing, speaking, and acting. Now, we understand once again, when we are talking about living and walking by faith, most of these things go automatically together. You know, you believe, you receive, you speak, and you act. That is faith. But for the purposes of how we are discussing this in this teaching, that's why we are splitting each one out so we can make sure that we understand it. And we've been talking about, this is session two of hearing, hearing. Now, Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17 says, so we walk by faith and not by, I'm sorry, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now it could easily have said, so faith cometh by hearing by the word of God, but it does not say that. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing. Hearing and hearing, indicating to you that faith comes by you continuously hearing the word of God. Faith, the more word I get, the more faith comes. The more word I hear, the more faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It does not come by fasting. It does not come by crying. It does not come by whining. It does not come by being sincere. It does not really come by praying per se. There's only one instance where the Bible talks about praying in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? Jude chapter, uh, Jude verse 20 indicates to you that when you pray in the Spirit, then the Holy Spirit can build you up supernaturally. And that is like a mighty weapon that we have by being filled with the Spirit. Which is the reason why people that don't believe in being filled with the Spirit, they're, they're using all of their weapons. <laughs> now, 
But he indicates to us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, which means that it comes through me hearing the voice of the word of God in and of my life. It only comes by me hearing it. Now, I submit to you when we use the term faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, we can insert the term faith comes or the ability to believe God comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. Does that make sense? The ability to believe God comes from hearing and hearing of the word of God. Well, what does the word ability mean? It means the capacity to act. It means power or skill needed to do something. So hearing the word of God, the ability to believe God, the capacity to act in a certain way comes about from hearing and hearing by the word of God. God says, all right, you say, I need this in my life. God gives you a word. And you say, well, Lord, what are you going to do something? He said, I gave you the word. The word gives you the ability to act if we begin to see the word the correct way. Now, when we are speaking in terms of words of faith, you can have words of faith, but also the opposite, as I indicated to you before, are words of fear. We are more acclimated towards understanding words of fear. Practical examples of words of fear is maybe you believe in the devil telling you that you are not going to make it, that nobody in your family has ever accomplished this. These things are not possible for you. It comes the exact same way as faith comes and you have the capacity or the ability to receive that word or reject it. Faith comes when God says you are more than a conqueror and you hear that word, the ability to believe God in that particular area is available for you. But if I pipeline or I keep listening to words of fear, words of doubt, the ability to believe the devil comes the exact same way. I choose what I'm going to entertain. I choose what I'm going to allow in my house. Words of faith, words of fear. Now, when you really think about it in these terms as well, a lot of things that we believe comes about from hearing. A lot of things, such as, you know, nowadays we have, you know, we got camera phones and everything, so you can take videos pretty much of everything. But when I was growing up and years ago, uh, you really could not film, because there was no capacity to film, let's say, in the hospital when I actually was born. When I was born, you either had that huge video camera with a tape in it, or you didn't, and we didn't have that. Why am I saying this? Because when I was born, I was born on January the 8th. I am telling you that with great confidence, not based on the fact that I was physically there, and I was. I was there on January the 8th. My mother said around 7 o'clock-ish. I was born. But notice what I said. My mother said. I believe that I was born on that particular date at that particular time, not because I remember, but because somebody told me. I believe that. And I believe it so much that I put it on my driver's license. I tell people, this is my birthday. This is when I celebrate. This is what happens on this day because of what somebody told me, because of what I discovered somebody wrote down. Faith comes by hearing. I believe that based on what somebody said. You know, when we think about terms of historical events, that's one of the issues that we're having in this country, is that now that we are having more voices tell the full history of America, there's a percentage of, the, of, of our country that says, we don't really want to hear all that stuff. Because it, it, it confronts the image of what we want to believe about our country. Because as long as we can shut those voices up, we don't have to see the reality. And so what does that mean? You believe what you believe based on what somebody told you. And so the only way that you can maintain this mythological stance is that you have to shut off the other voices. Because once again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. You believe based on what you heard. Superstitions. You ever heard of step on a crack, break your mama's back? Have you ever seen somebody actually back get broke by stepping on a crack? You believe that based on what you hear. You believe your belief system is based on what you hear. Cultural norms. Somebody tells you, man, you got to sleep with five women, six women, ten women before you settle down. And men believe that because somebody told them. God says, listen, the system works this way. That faith comes by hearing. You believe what you believe based on what you are feeding into you. So when we are examining 
what my belief system is, I need to examine what have I been listening to? The voice of faith or the voice of fear? All are results of hearing. Now, I want us to look at Genesis chapter number 15. Genesis chapter number 15. <clears throat> Last week we looked at Mary's story in Luke chapter number one, where she says, Be it unto me according to thy word. Verse 37 says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. But notice this over in Genesis chapter 15 with all of my Genesis scholars. Amen. amen, amen. Mm -hmm. Genesis chapter 15. Now let's look at this. And let's, 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 let's look at this. Genesis chapter 15, verse number one. Abram is about, I think, around 75 years old at this point. Oh, he might have been 80, I'm sorry, at this point. He'd been walking with God. God said, if you follow me, I'll bless you. I'll make you prosperous. Man, you're going to be a father of many nations. Now, the prosperity had manifested quickly. He was rich. He was so rich that he had an issue with Lot. Y'all remember that in the story? Because they had so many flocks, so much herds, all these things, that some of Lot's folks and some of Abraham's servants, they were button heads with each other. And there's a great amount of strife because of the level of prosperity that they operated in. Side journey. You know, anytime you add on to what God tells you to do, you're always going to bring strife with it. He told you to do this. You said, yes, God, I'm going to do this and that. Well, you're already signing on for more than he intended for you to have within your life when you do that. But what happens is Lot, of course, separates, and we understand the story of Solomon and Gomorrah and all of these kind of things. But by the time we get to chapter 15, Abram is saying, all right, God, I thank you for the blessing that you have given me. I thank you for prospering me. I thank you for all of these things. But now we got a problem here. Notice this, he says in verse 15. After these things out of the King James, the word of the Lord, notice the word. Notice it says the word of the Lord came to Abram. In a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Well, we understand that he's saying, I am the God of recompense. He says, fear not, I am, I am everything that you need. I am your exceedingly great reward. Verse number two, he says, and Abram said, Lord God, what will thou give me? Notice what he says, seeing I go childless. You ever been in a situation in your life where you're repeating back to God something that he should already know? You're like, Lord, don't you see this? Lord, don't you, you don't see? He says, seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. In other words, the chief steward, the chief servant in my house, he stands to inherit everything from me because I don't have any descendants. And he said, watch this, verse 3. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. Lord, don't you realize the condition that I'm in? Don't you, you saying to me, fear not, seeing I am your exceedingly great reward? That's nice, God, but don't you see this circumstance that I am faced with? And notice he says, verse number four, and behold, watch the word again. The word of the Lord came to him saying, this shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come up out of thy own bowels shall be thine heir. So he says, all right, I hear what you're saying, son. But let me tell you what I said. He says, this Eliezer of Damascus, your head servant, is not going to be your heir. But the seed that comes out of you, he shall be your heir. And he says, let's watch this, verse 5. And he said, and he behold him forth and said, look now towards heaven. He says, let me refocus your attention because you are giving too much attention to the natural circumstances. You're giving too much attention to your limitations. You're giving too much attention to the word of fear. And he says, let me refocus your attention towards heaven. He says, look, verse 5, now towards heaven. And he says, tell and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. He says, all right, let me refocus your attention 
on my ability over your ability. Let me refocus your attention on the fact that I am your exceedingly great reward. And he says, all right, are you going to believe essentially? And verse six says, watch this. And he believed in the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. The word of the Lord is such an interesting thing. Faith comes by hearing. The ability to believe God came to Abram when God says, fear not, I am your shield. What does that mean? I am the one that protects you from this area of doubt and unbelief. The more you give attention to what I said, I will keep you in the position. I'm able to keep your soul. I'm able to keep you from falling to different places when you stay in my presence. He says, focus back on me. I am the reward that you've been looking for. And he says, refocus on what I said over what you see. And now Abraham had the choice. Are you going to believe or ain't you? What we see here in Genesis chapter 15 is an illustration of what the New Testament refers to with this Greek word, a rhema word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, Abram did not have chapter and verse to turn to. He couldn't say, let me flip over to Genesis chapter 15 and let me learn how to stand on this promise. He didn't have that. He had what we define as a rhema word. Well, what is a rhema word? Most of you have heard this before, but let's look at this thoroughly this morning. The word rhema in the New Testament literally means the spoken word. It means an utterance or declaration. It means the word commanded, directed, or adjoined. It means direct or imposed by authority. It is, there I say once again, the spoken word, the utterance. Abram didn't have a word to look at physically. And see, what we see in Genesis chapter 15 is what God does. He says, I'm going to cut a covenant with him. In other words, he says, I'm going to put myself by our standards today under a contractual agreement between me and you, Abram. And since I can't find anything else to seal by, because, you know, in, in my other job, I'm a notary republic as well. And what does that mean? That means that I've got to put my seal on this piece of paper to say, you actually signed this. I represent the state saying that we're going to keep everybody honest. You signed this. I, as an officer of the state, say I witness you signing this and I put my seal there. God says, all right, because there is nothing greater than me, I'm putting my seal on this contract with you, Abram, saying I'm going to do what I said. He say he gives his word and then he gives a promise. But this rhema word that's given in chapter 15 in the beginning is a word that's uttered to him. And Abram had to believe God based on what God told him. Well, in your own personal life, when God begins to talk to you about the things he wants to do in your life, he speaks a rhema word. It's an utterance. He drops on the inside of you, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to build this. Faith comes, or when God says, I want you to do this, the capacity, the ability to believe God comes at that very moment. He sent Gabriel to Mary in Luke chapter 1. He said that you're going to be with child. You remember that? What happened there is the word of the Lord came to her concerning her future and the ability to believe God was present at that very moment. How she responded would make all the difference in the world. This is what we define as a rhema word. The word or the rhema word means God speaking to me a directive, a word of edification. God speaking specifically to me. It is concerning or specifically to me concerning a matter. This does not happen all the time. But this should be something that we are looking forward to all the time or routinely. Let me use that terminology because the Bible says, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and a stranger they will not follow. Now, how many of y'all ready for the test that's coming? When we hear the voice of God, we know it's always the voice of faith, love, peace. Life, you know, I think we're making up stuff now. <laughs> Close. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Okay, you're gonna hold the whole term up. Truth, <laughs> love, faith, peace, and life. When God speaks to us, when he gives us a realm of word, we can discern whether or not this is God's voice because when he speaks, he always speaks from the place or the position of truth, love, faith, peace, and life. Now, I want to always tell you this. You know, all of these are open book tests. Amen. <laughs> all of them open book tests. Even when you have an issue in your life. Man, listen. While you over there talking about devil, the devil, get your Bible out. <laughs> open it up. And say, now it says right here, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You look it up, you speak it out. When you speak it out, the word coming out of your mouth is a rhema word. The Bible uses in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It is also the word that's coming out of your mouth. That is what it means for a rhema word. It can be a word directly from God, but it also can be a word that is repeated out of your mouth, coming out of your heart. It also is a rhema word. Do you understand that? Now, let's move on. (laughs) So you have the word rhema word or an utterance spoken. But you also have this other determination or this other Greek word, which also means word in the New Testament, which is the word logos. The Greek word logos. Well, the word logos means a doctrine. It means teaching. It means a report. Doctrine teaching or report. It means the written word, a divine declaration recorded. A divine declaration recorded. It means a decree, a mandate or uh, a mandate or an order, if you will. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, and the word was God. He, in this sense, he's talking both about who Jesus is, and we understand that in John chapter 1 verse 1, but we can also interpret it as he's talking about the doctrine of God. The teaching, the report of God. In the beginning was the doctrine of God. The written word is the Logos word. Now, the Logos is how you discern whether or not you are receiving a rhema word. If you are hearing from the Spirit of God, it's always going to be in agreement with what is written. If you are hearing something else, then it's not the Spirit of God. Because that's why we looked at, uh, I guess, last year, that the Spirit of God is always the voice of truth because it's always going to be in agreement with the Logos. This is how we disqualify when people say, the Lord told you to do things and we hear it and it's full of sin. Because God's voice never has sin attached to it. It's not in truth. He's not a lie. So when God tells you something, it's always rooted in what is already written. Do we understand that? So in this situation, when we see with Abram, when we see with Mary, they receive a rhema word and faith begin to come. By the same balance, when you hear the Logos word spoken, it becomes a rhema word. The word spoken and faith comes. Do we understand that? Now, as we indicated to you on last week, one of the issues that we're having is the problem is that we really don't believe that God keeps his word. Abram is staring at his situation. And God says, I am your reward. Trust what I say. Abram had to make a decision whether or not God was worthy of his trust. And that's the situation that we find ourselves in day by day by day. Do you really believe that God's word is worthy of your trust? And my assignment as we close this morning is to pick up where we left off last week that looking at God's perspective concerning his word. God's perspective concerning his word. We looked at these things on last week and this is where we're going to close on this morning. Faith comes by hearing him by the word of God. And God began to drop in my heart the issue that my people are having is they don't know that I'm worthy of your trust. The first thing we said in regards to God's perspective concerning his word is, number one, there is no separation between God and his word. This is one of the reasons why God says, I want your yes to be yes and your no to be no. Because he says, I want you to start identifying yourself the way I identify my word. There is no separation between me and my word. When I say something, I do it. You know, I... uh, (laughs) You know, one of the things I discovered since, you know, we started the church that kind of alarmed me is how many Christians lie. 
I never really saw as many lying Christians as I did when we began the church. They'll look at you in your eyes and say, we with you, and never show up. <laughs> they will say, oh, Reverend, I'm coming, and never come. Oh, Pastor, we support you, and never can, never can clock where they are. You said you were going to do this, but you did that. And then you think that everybody is like you and we start applying or projecting this on God. God is not like us. There's no separation between his word and number two, God does not lie. He does not lie. Lying was introduced in Genesis chapter three by the father of lies, the devil. God does not lie. People do. That's why God don't like eating little white lies because lying is such an anathema to him. He's like, what, what, that's, that's not what we do. Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19 out of the New Living says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he, ever, has he ever promised and not carried it through? Now somebody said, but why I thought Jesus was God. Yes, the Bible says in Hebrews that he emptied himself of his Godhood so that he could be touched by the feelings of our infirmity. So what happens is Jesus says, all right, I got to step out of my divinity to become fully human so that I can feel everything that they feel so that I can be in position to redeem them. But ultimately, we understand that God has no capacity to lie. And God says, this is the issue. Turn over to John chapter 8 and verse 44. Let's speed up. John chapter 8 and verse 44, the New Living Translation. New International Translation, I'm sorry. The latter part says, but when he speaks his native language, for he is a lie and the father lies. He's talking about the devil. The devil is the father. He's the origin. He's the generator. He's the parent of lies. You know, this is something that's very interesting to me. The reason why faith comes by hearing him by the word of God is because when God created the system in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, what we see is that God created it without lies. This is the reason why. You ever notice like with babies, small children, if you tell them something, they're going to believe it. Now, you might be lying through your teeth. Some of y'all lie every year talking about a big fat man coming down the chimney. But you could be lying through your teeth about something. And yet your children will believe it because of your word. How are we supposed to be different with God? God says, I want you to have childlike faith. Why don't you believe what I said? I said this, I can't lie. I don't lie. Everything I say is going to come to pass. I want you simply to believe. Notice this, number three, as I speed up once again. Turn to Isaiah 55 and verse number 10. Isaiah 55, verse number 10. So God's perspective concerning his word, number one, is that God does, I'm sorry, is first and foremost, that there's no separation between God and his word. The second one is that God does not lie. Number three, God had, or God's word has built-in success or a built-in success rate. It has a built-in success rate. Isaiah 55, verse number 10. Now watch this. Notice this out of the King James Version of the Bible. The scripture says, verse 10, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, he says, watch this, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the either. He says, so, verse 11, shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish uh, that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. He says, just like you see the rain outside coming down and it doesn't go back up. He says, my word that goes out of my mouth, it shall prosper. Well, the word prosper there literally comes from a Hebrew word, which means be profitable. It shall break out. And it also means it shall succeed. So he says, so shall my word be that come forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to be void, but it will accomplish uh, that which I have pleased. And it shall succeed in the thing whereunto I sent it. God has, or his word has built in success. 
When God tells you something, that's why he says to Abram, I, don't you realize I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. He says, my word has built in success. He tells Joshua, meditate on the law day and night so you shall make your way prosperous and have good success. The more word I hear from God, both a rhema word and a logos word is built in success when I decide to believe. So now we begin to understand why God says, all right, what is the problem with y'all? I said, believe what I said. My perspective is my word has a built-in success rate. Do you believe it? Number four, watch this. Turn over to Jeremiah 1 and verse number 12. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 12. God's perspective is he doesn't lie. God's perspective is that his word has a built-in success rate. When he tells you to do something, when he tells you to believe his word, he says, success is inside my reward, uh, my word. My reward for your life is inside, is encompassed in the word that I gave you. Jeremiah 1 and verse number 12. Notice this. The Bible says this. Then said the Lord unto me, thou hast seen well, or well seen. For I will hasten my word to perform it. The New International Version says, The Lord said to me, You have seen correctly. And I'm not going to go into the backstory on that right now for the sake of time. He says, For I am, notice the word of the New International Version. He says, I am watching to see. I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. We get number four from this. God always is attentive to his word, he's watching. I don't have to try to do cartwheels to get God's attention. All I need to do is stay with the word. He always says, my word has my attention. That's why he said to Abram, don't you understand what I spoke to you? I'm always looking. I'm watching to make sure that word I gave comes to pass in your life. Only thing I need is you to believe. Number five, what is God's perspective in regards to his word? Number five, turn to Hebrews chapter four and verse number 12. Y'all right? Hebrews chapter four and verse number 12. He says, I'm actively watching on my word to perform it. I'm actively watching over what I said. What I said has my attention. You ain't got to do anything except stick with what I said. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. Notice the word of God declares this, for the, for the word of God is quick and powerful, quick and powerful, and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of the marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. But notice the first portion, it says the word of God and the use of the word quick and powerful. The word quick there literally means, it comes from a, a Hebrew, a Greek word rather, that means active. The word of God is active. And it also, it, it's interesting, this word quick means blessed. So when he says for the word of God is quick, he's saying it's active, it's blessed, and it also means endless. The word of God is active, it is blessed, it is endless. It means full of vigor. It means alive. The word of God is alive. So we see number five. What is God's perspective concerning his word? The word of God is alive. The word is just as alive today as it ever has been. You know, I got a lot of books at home from a lot of dead people. They wrote wonderful words. Now that I've become an author, I understand certain things about it. Uh, after the pastor's gone and my books are sitting on the shelf, Somebody look up and say, but that's good stuff. But he did. God says, I don't die. I haven't changed. Everything that you have in your lap, he says, I'm actively watching over my word to perform it. My word is alive. It's already blessed. It's full of vigor. And he says, notice, the word of God is quick and he says powerful. The word powerful means active, operative, and effectual. So he's saying that the word of God is alive and it is effectual. But for a lot of believers, the word of God is just a nice book that's on the shelf that I read from time to time. And you don't understand that that word is powerful. That Logos word is a powerful living word that God has given. 
The New International Version says it like this, for the word of God is alive and active. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3 as we get ready to close. I see, I see, I see. We're only going to get certain places. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Notice what the scripture says. I have the New International Version of the Bible. Notice it says, all scripture is God-breathed. Now let's just stop right there and meditate on that. All scripture is God-breathed. Right now we are taking in air and we're exhaling. Taking in and exhaling. God says every word is God-breathed. Every word that you see, he says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It's alive today as it was when he gave it to Isaiah. He says it's active. It's God-breathed. And he says, watch this, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Every word that God gives you, all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed, and it has a usefulness attached to it for teaching you, for rebuking you, for correcting you, and training you in righteousness. Verse 17, so that the servant of God may be equipped or may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Why is that? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Every word that God gives you is a lot, is breathing with power. When you read the word of God, it is breathing and alive and active right now. The only thing that you have to do is receive it by faith. And that's why we are spending so much time talking about, first and foremost, how important it is to hear the word of God. Because when I hear the word of God, I am hearing power. I am hearing something that's active. I'm hearing something that has the full attention of God Almighty. I'm hearing something that is full of truth. I'm hearing something that God says there is no separation between this word that I'm giving you and who I am. This is his perspective. All right, we'll pick up here on Thursday. All right, we'll pick up here on Thursday with number six. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, God, we bless you for this opportunity to have gotten into your word. Lord, we thank you that we believe that your word is active. All we're doing is plugging into the system, flipping the switch, and that's what we're learning how to do. You've already provided everything that we need for life and godliness. And as we begin to hear and learn, hear and learn and hear and learn, God, I thank you that you're putting us in position so that we can hook into the power source for our life. Your word is active. No word from you is void or empty of power. And so, Lord, we choose to believe. Let faith arise, God. The more we understand your perspective, let it be our perspective that will take hold of your word and believe. That we will be, that we won't be like Abram looking at circumstances, but that we'll be like Abram in the sense that we'll say, Lord, we choose to believe. You are our shield. You are exceedingly great reward. And so, Lord, we choose as an act of our will to not let circumstances speak louder to us than what you have said. And, Lord, we even repent for allowing circumstances, situation, deficits, sicknesses. Speak louder to us than what you said. You've already made us to be overcomers, more than overcomers, God. And so, Lord, we choose to walk by faith and not by sight. We believe what you said. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone did say amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's giving time. Amen. Let's look, if you will, at Genesis once again, chapter number eight. I keep going to Genesis all day, right? Get ready to go to another book here soon. So, <laughs> if you're not read Genesis or Exodus, Lord have mercy. You got a little bit of reading to do. 
Let's look at Genesis chapter 8 and verse number 22 once again. <laughs> Genesis chapter 8 and verse number 22. This is following the flood. God begins making promises to Noah. Notice he says, I the Amplified, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Now we just looked at the fact God doesn't lie. He says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest is the first thing he says. But notice he says, cold and heat. And we got every confidence in cold and heat coming. You got so much confidence in cold and heat coming that in the summer, sometimes you buy, you know, the winter clothes or vice versa because you have an expectation. Man, bless God, by the time we hit November, October, it's going to be cold outside. What is that? You do corresponding things based on what you believe. He says that, that he says, watch this, day and night, day and night. We have full expectation. How many of you get a full expectation that nighttime is coming today? The sun's going to go down. The street lights will come on. There is an expectation that this is going to happen. God says, I'm the same God that says seed, time, and harvest. But the problem is with my people is you have more confidence in the cold and the heat and the day and the night and not the seed, time, and the harvest. And that's the reason why people don't sow. It's the same concept. He says naturally and spiritually. Every seed produces after its own kind. When I believe that my seed is not just gone, but is going to produce a harvest, then I, my corresponding actions respond to what I believe. Just like I believe that it's going to get night, I do some things during the day because I have to do it while the sun's up. Because I have an expectation. When I hear a certain time, around 8, 9, 30, 9 o'clock, depends on the time of the year, the sun's going to go down and I'm not going to be able to do certain things I could do in the day. My faith and what I believe corresponds with my actions. He says, seed time and harvest is also attached to that. He says, shall not cease. Every seed that you sow produces after its own kind. So when I sow money seeds, God says, that seed produces after its own kind. And the question is, do you believe the word of the Lord? Now, he just told you he doesn't lie. He told you that he doesn't have to send out retractions. Do you believe? Three ways you can sow into the training center. One way is by way of our online giving, which is the training center-church.org. Second way is by way of our cash app, which is dollar sign one TTC. Third way is by way of our mail, which is the training center at address 1314 West Second Avenue. Gastonia, North Carolina, zip code 28052. And, of course, you can give and sow live in the house. All ways are received by this ministry, and we thank God for whatever way uh, the Spirit of God is leading you to sow into this ministry. Because of you, you are, in fact, helping to make it happen. This past week, well, one of the places that your seed went, it went into the ground and blessing young people over at the Irwin Center. We were able, praise God, to sow into them for the food physically. Thank God for you all sowing of your time and your efforts, praise God. But these things were able to happen, thank God, because of faithful givers and tithers as well. And so we were able to sow into the lives of the young people over there as we have been doing for the last couple of years. Amen. All right. <clears throat> congregation let us sell ourselves in agreement with those that are sowing and those that are in fact have sown in the name of Jesus father in the name of Jesus Lord we bless you and we praise you for this opportunity to sow we thank you Lord that you are the one that gave us the power to get the wealth we thank you Lord because we are titles and givers we thank you that we live under an open heaven in which the blessings are pouring out upon us and there's in which we walk in abundance and there's not room enough to receive we thank you, Lord, because we are tithers and givers. Lord, we put you in remembrance that you said that you would rebuke the devourer for our sake. Lord, you said because we are cheerful, prompt to do it, givers, Lord, that you will make all grace abound towards us. So, Father, we speak over every seed, every tithe, every offering that's sown into this house, and we declare that let this seed go and grow and produce an abundant harvest in the authority of the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are our source. And so we look to you, Lord, as our great rewarder. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone in agreement with that prayer said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we will see you. Uh,
let me make a mention of this again. I haven't said this in quite a while. Uh, for anybody uh, that is watching us or accessing this online, we have a, a portal uh, that's available that if you have a prayer request, all you have to do is scan that particular area. I think we have a slide, praise the Lord, and just simply uh, send the prayer request here and we'll be in prayer in regards to the area of, uh, of which you are requesting prayer. The Bible says in Matthew 18 and verse 19, again I say unto you, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done of them of my Father which is in heaven. And so all prayer requests, we just want to take the time to set ourselves in agreement with those things that you are believing God for. And we believe that as we set ourselves in agreement that we believe is done in the name of Jesus. So if you have any prayer requests or anything like that, all you have to do is scan that particular code and it will come directly to us. Amen. All right. We will see you one way or the other on Thursday for midweek Bible study. Been a while now. Let's get on in the house and let's get in the word and bless God maybe we can get to uh, number seven. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's all good. I, I, I watched my mentor. Uh, he was ministering Bible study and he said, yeah, I'll be done with this today. And, I, and, he, said, and he just stopped. He said, yes, Lord. Well, I'll get done when I get done. I said, well, see, it happened to all of us. Sometimes you think you're going to get done with something. You turn around and you're like, okay, this is going to be part four. All right, praise the Lord. <laughs> so we will see you, like I said, on Thursday night. Amen. You may be dismissed. May you walk in the favor of God this week. Doors open for you. Because he's already declared you blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Training Center Church located here in Gastonia, North Carolina at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Suite B. If you're joining us and this is your first time, we'd like to take this time to say thank you. If you're new to our area or if you're looking for a church home, we currently have our services on Thursday evening at 645 and 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. We'd like to invite you and your family and even a friend to join us live here in person where we have worship every Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Give thanks and be blessed. I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. On behalf of our pastor, Pastor A.C. Smith, we love you and thank you so very much.